Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. Hi, I'm Trigvi. I'm the husband of Lisa. I love to support her, and if you want to feel as much joy in supporting my wife as I do, then you can donate to her by buying her a coffee. She may or may not spend it on coffee. She might, you know, buy a new set of headphones. Who knows? Anyway, it's the internet. Go crypto. Do stuff. Get her a couple of NFTs. Um, You can do any of this, especially buying her a coffee, by heading to the website and hitting the buy me a coffee button. Or you can go to the Nine Months Podcast Instagram and find a link in the bio. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash the nine months zero. That uh, that address again is buymeacoffee.com slash the nine months zero. Nine and zero and numerals, not words spelled out. Go and buy her a coffee. Feel the great joy of supporting a wonderful human making a fantastic podcast and raising two exceptionally smart, handsome, clever young boys. Thanks. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Nine Months Podcast. This is episode number 49. And today I am in London. Um, So this is a pre-recording. I am, will be going, I guess it's weird to talk about what's happening in the future when it is being released in the future, but I will be there taking a teacher training and doing a little bit of research for this birth course that me and Alex are planning for the birth collective, which is really exciting. Um, so if you are out there and you would like to take a birth course before you give birth to learn just about the generals and the basics of of what happens in the body and what happens postpartum and how do we write a birth plan and what's good to know and all the ins and outs of of childbirth and the time that comes after your baby's born then um do stay on the lookout our course will release probably in July so uh, and it'll be something we'll be doing regularly if the demand is there so it's very exciting times for me and Alex um so if you want to be the first to know those news you can follow us on Instagram it's the birth collective cz the birth collective cz there are no posts right now but once there's a post you're gonna see it (laughs) so we will have to work on our social media skills too but you know it all comes in time um so for this episode today I am again interviewing my my dear friend um, Lucy. Lucy shared her first birth story with her um, daughter Freya on episode number eight and today we're going to hear her second birth story with her son Harry which was also in the UK but a little bit different from her first one. Lucy is also pregnant with her third baby at the moment and we do have quite a lot of discussion about um, the system in Czech Republic because Lucy is a Czech a Czech woman but she lived uh, for a couple of decades in the UK and her first two births were there so it's very difficult and um, different to wrap your head around a different sort of birth um, birth scenario or birth variation in in Prague and we share quite a lot of similarities if you listen to my birth story with Avi being a little bit scared to walk into something that we uh, are not used to and and all these things. Lucy's also a hypnobirthing coach and yeah we just like touch upon all the things that that feel a little bit different and and uh, stuff like that so we talk about Harry's story but we also talk about a little bit of prospect of birth here um for her third baby and yeah it's uh yeah I think it's a difficult um difficult one a little bit to to listen to maybe so if you're if you're planning your birth here and you're feeling a little bit anxious maybe maybe this one is 
is one that you could press pause on and come back to when you're feeling like you want to listen to it or um, maybe after you've had your birth. It could also be really helpful to to hear that other people are also a little bit anxious in, in face of birth. So so however you would like to do it, I just want to put it out there that um, the discussion is maybe a little bit difficult to hear um, for some people. So... Um, but regardless, it's a very beautiful story and Lucy shares it beautiful, beautifully as, as usual. So welcome back to the podcast, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Welcome back to the Nine Months Podcast. Hi. <laughs> so Lucy uh, shared her uh, birth story on episode number eight with her first baby, her Freya. And today we're going to be hearing your second birth story with Harry, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to, for those people that haven't heard your first birth story, would you like to introduce yourself and also maybe just talk a little bit briefly about your first birth and how that went? So I had, this is my, Harry was my second, second baby. And um, just like they both were different in personalities, their birth stories are very different. So Freya was born in July 2014 and Harry was born uh, two years later on pretty much to the day. And uh, Freya was your very beautiful, calm water birth experience, which, um, which was uh, amazing first born Oh shit, Lisa. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Glad I made notes. Um, well, Freya was an amazing birth experience. She was 10 hours, uh, waters broken, uh, progress was amazing, steady. For a first time mom, 10 hours is pretty, pretty good. I was able to have her in water <clears throat> with pretty much no pain relief. And oh, all was just great. There wasn't a point with Freya where I felt I can't do this or I just had the really nice support of the midwife. And even though it was a hospital environment, I felt pretty much like being at home. Um, mm. Both of my babies were born in the UK. Uh, however, with Harry, um, I've gone through an induction and I think it's really important to say that I, I don't want to share this story to scare anyone off. It's uh, very much about making people aware when they're making decisions when it comes to induction, um, that it's always very important to ask the risks and the benefits about mm. any procedure you are about to have. And I think I didn't ask those questions. And um, overall, it was a positive experience, but it's taken me a while to get to the conclusion that it was positive. Um, because as far as induction comes, um, it was four hours long. You know, I came out of it all intact and I had a healthy baby, but the trauma it had, because the difference when you go into spontaneous labor and when you're being induced, you you basically making the baby come be before it's ready. and one intervention tends to lead to another. So this is the reason why I want to share the story so other people can make informed decision. And the any kind of induction should be medically justified. And my certainly wasn't. And in general, they are not clinically justified. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is a discussion we've had um before outside of recording time a lot also um can we jump back a little bit in your story so if we start a little bit by <clears throat> by you guys deciding to have another baby and and what that looked like for you from the beginning uh, from the beginning Harry was <laughs> very different to Freya so I got pregnant very very there was always a plan to have another baby but ideally in my head, I was thinking about two year, two and a half years age gap. And um, so it happened that pretty much to the day I got pregnant with Freya, two years prior, I got pregnant with Harry. 
So we've got exactly five days apart, two years age gap. The pregnancy, I'm not one to glow and boost about pregnancies. I don't find them easy. Uh, I suffer with morning sickness, which is more like 24 hour hangover, uh, roughly about five months. So pregnancy was tough for me, but I do, I do love giving birth. So with Harry, obviously, uh, being so sick and unwell and having a toddler, it wasn't an easy time, but we got through it and and uh, obviously very happy to have him with us. I wouldn't have it any other way, mm-hmm. but it was it happened a bit sooner than what we were expecting. Yeah, and how was it like finding out that you were pregnant? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to be really careful what I say. I, I don't mean to sign ungrateful, but I, it wasn't the same euphoria. I wasn't ready. I wasn't, my body wasn't ready. I was about to go back to work. And uh, so it was really mixed feelings when I found out I was pregnant with Harry. Uh, I, I don't think I was in the right headspace. And for a really long time, I was scared to talk about it. Um, And I guess I felt guilty as well Mm. for feeling that way. But it was meant to be, so I am... Sorry. Take your time. It's okay. (laughs) I think you should make a note that the hormone (laughs) happened to the third pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, yeah, so with Harry, it was all a bit... um, the start wasn't uh, as smooth as it was with Freya, I guess. Mm. Not to say that he was not wanted. Uh, he was, but I guess I was taken by it because it was literally that one time, that one time we went, okay, for one. So Harry was conceived. Um, and then four and a half months of really bad sickness, uh, plus a toddler with chicken pox. It was, uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> interesting times. But then I always, I'm one of those, I always enjoy, enjoy the, the end of the pregnancies. Like the last trimester for me is, uh, is always the most fun. I guess the excitement, you know, most, most one will tell you like the last bit is a bit of a drag. Yeah. But I tend to enjoy it the most somehow. And did you receive a similar care um, care that you did with, with Freya? Did you see a midwife and all of these things? Yeah, so I went to the, the midwives. When I can convert it now to the Czech Republic and what UK is like, I think they're very much more laid back about, you know, when it comes to having an ultrasound, if everything's going well, you get your 12-week scan, 21-week scan, and all is well. Here seems to be, they're much more on it. Um, but the care was fine. Once I got over the morning sickness, everything was absolutely fine. But what happened, and I think this is the most important bit, and even though I did hypnobirthing with Freya, uh, we didn't cover much of the induction bit, so I really didn't know what was about to come. Uh, and with induction, is the, I think understanding the whole scenario where it was middle of the summer, and many people that I knew that I w- was thinking to, to be helping out with the child care were on holidays. So was the midwife who was looking after me the whole time. So subconsciously in my mind, I was really stressed uh, because I didn't have that sorted. And Freya being so little, I didn't really want to leave her. So mm-hmm. when to, um, and also with Freya, I went into spontaneous labor five days prior to her due date, which was amazing, which was amazing. But I never really put too much pressure onto like, oh my God, my due date was 1st of August. So she's definitely gonna be born there. I was very um, kind of going with the flow. And uh, so I didn't feel stressed by that. But now being pregnant for, for the second time and being responsible for, for a toddler and not wanting to leave her, that was subconsciously going on in my mind. So I wasn't able to relax. So 
ultimately what happens in your body instead of producing oxytocin, which is the hormone that facilitates labor, I was producing adrenaline. So even though the body was kind of ready and my uh, surges or contractions, whatever you want to call it, started on a Friday, Harry really wasn't born until Monday. Mm. Uh, and I, I have an understanding now, obviously when I qualified as a hypnobirthing practitioner, I could really understand it properly, what was happening in my body and how the mind and body were not connected. Therefore, my body couldn't do what it wanted to do because my head didn't allow it. Mm. Um, so the, con like the contraction started on a Friday morning and I was still with Freya going about my usual business. We were, I remember going down a slide with her, um, still going to the town, but the contractions were really irregular. And every time I put her for a nap or when she went to bed in the evening, it would come on stronger. Hmm. And every time she would wake up, I'll be like, my body would be like, oh no, no, not happening yet. And it would stop again. So it carried on like that for a couple of days um, until Sunday, which was like the 31st of July. 30th of July mm. uh, when uh, we went to town to get last bits for the baby and we were parking the car and I got out of the car and my water broke <laughs> uh, I was like this is not happening like it doesn't happen in real life it's like a movie thing and Andrew obviously was worried the, mo <laughs> the most he was worried was his car seat so I don't do it <laughs> so so it's like, oh, cool, the water's breaking. So that was really exciting. That was really exciting. We had Freya in the car. So the rules in the UK are, or the standard procedure, is that you, within a couple of hours of your water's breaking, you should attend the hospital. So we managed to get Freya back home. And... Um, Izzy was actually there, our, our daughter, she was 17 at the time and because it was summer holidays, I wasn't expecting her to be hanging out with us. You know, it was her summer holidays. It wasn't, it didn't really seem fair. But so it happened that Nana and Izzy took over and looked after Freya while Andrew and I went to the hospital. Hmm. In my head, I knew that if the contractions don't pick up, uh, basically induction will be the next step and another mistake I made so when I got to the hospital I have to say the midwives were really nice but one advice they've given me which I would not do this time around is that I should keep moving I should don't stop and just keep walking up and down the stairs and instead of like conserving my energy <laughs> and saving myself for actually the actual labor I did at March miles and I think we, Andrew and I even went to our local park. We were just walking around like a couple of loonies with me stopping up through the, through the contractions, which were still not very regular, but they were becoming more, more regular. And uh, eventually we went back to the hospital and they were really sweet. They were like, do you want me to run your pool? You can, um, you can see whether you're gonna progress. So we run the pool. Spent, I think, about three or four hours there and it just wasn't happening. I was getting tired and irritable. And obviously, in my head again, there was a block that, you know, the whole scene just wasn't, wasn't right. My whole approach to it wasn't, wasn't right. I should have gone home and I should have rested. That's ideally what meant, what meant to happen. Uh, so when I talk about induction, now in my courses, I always say, I didn't ask my options. I didn't ask about my choices. I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't, then I also didn't want to go home and keep disturbing Freya. I didn't want to like keep coming and going, leaving her at the same time because I didn't know whether I'm going to go home for 24 hours or whether it's going to be 48 days. Mm. But back then in 2016, uh, it was 24 hours. If your waters break and you don't go into spontaneous labor within 24 hours, 
they would induce you. You do, however, have the option to say, could you just monitor me? But I didn't know that either. And I think when we like 40 weeks pregnant, the women basically tend to go into their little bubble and all they want to do is feel safe, have a safe environment where they can have their baby. And they don't want to be dealing with like induced, not induced. And I, I was just too tired by that point to make these decisions. So I didn't go home. I remained in the hospital. Contractions totally stopped. Andrew went home to be with Freya and I had the night in the hospital and in the morning they were going to decide what's going to be the next step. Throughout the night nothing was happening at all and even when I woke up not a sign of a single contraction. So the impact of it all was really negative because I didn't feel safe. I didn't, didn't feel in a safe environment I guess. And uh, my, I just, the, the body just literally froze. Mm-hmm. Isn't that such an interesting thing? Like this thing, we talk about that a lot, you and me, this thing of animal. you just want to feel safe. And when you feel safe, that's when, when the body is reacting to the brain going, okay, we can do this now, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's such a powerful thing. Yeah, we really are animals. Yeah, animals' instincts. If the animals feel threatened, the heartbeat stops. And I think that exactly we are exactly like it. If we don't feel safe, it doesn't. It won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah. Like in my first, um, my first pregnancy, leading up to that, I remember one of the midwives telling me that she said, you know if it's if it's like if you look at animals you look at a cat mm-hmm. a cat to, that goes to give birth they just go and find the darkest safest coziest place where no one can find them yeah. and that's where they give birth you know that's where they feel the safest it's like I think I've mentioned that a hundred times on this podcast already but it's so important because when I make that uh, conclusion with myself it's like yeah that makes so much sense right yeah because why would you want to be observed by <laughs> 10 other people when really it's such a private it's such a private it's such a special thing as well and you know at that I was so grateful to the midwives uh, in the hospital to let me use the pool and to allow us to have the space because they really let Andrew and I be together like you mm. know like but at that point, no nipple tweaking and no amount of dim lights would get me going at that point, the state I was in, mm. you know, at that point. And it would, yeah, it just wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening for me. And, um, and I do, I think what is really important and why I, why I can look at it as a positive story with Harry is that I understand why it all happened. I do understand when it went wrong and what I could have done differently. But maybe I just had to go through it. So now I can I can share it and I can from personal experience say, you know, this is what I would have done wrong. And I think people, if they decide that induction, like induction is the right thing for them, knowing all these facts, then that's fine. That's also fine. But I think to go into it and not know because the impact it has on the body and also if you go through a label like I had with Freya spontaneous labor all natural and then go into this you just don't know what's about to hit you it was so different so if you have a first time mom who's going to be induced her experience is going to be very different and then the next pregnancy maybe if she had spontaneous labor she'd be like oh wow this is the difference because if this is your first time experience, then you have nothing to compare it to. Right. And because with Freya, it, the, uh, the surges are so different and there's no comparison, like the intensity of it. But I'll go into it a bit later. Now I'll mm-hmm. go to what happened when I woke up. Um, yeah. So uh, before the whole induction process started, uh, she, she struck me onto the monitor. They had to monitor me. Therefore, I had to be strapped 
onto the monitor and light in bed, which in labor I found impossible. I like to be, for me, to giving birth, lying down is something my brain just doesn't, doesn't get. So when she struck me on and monitored the, uh, like Harry's heartbeat, and then she started talking, uh, I think at one point she was talking even about a C-section. And it's like, hold on a minute, how can I go through like, from like everything going well and being fine to you talking about C-section? So I think she was just talking out loud. Uh, and then it was the time to call Andrew to come in because they were gonna do the procedure. And the procedure itself is not really painful. It's, um, they insert either a pessary or a gel Mm. up to your vagina and when I say I was lucky I mean that I was really lucky because within 15 minutes it actually started happening but you have women who can have 48 hours and still nothing will happen mm. so when I say I was lucky in that sense that uh, I didn't have to wait uh, very long for it to kick in so when Andrew got to the hospital at 10 45 uh, and I was there on the bed, still strapped to the monitor. He goes, oh, you look absolutely, you look absolutely fine. It's like, you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Within 15 minutes, literally my face changed. Like my eyes went backwards. And within 15 minutes, I went from ev nothing to everything. Mm. And I can't describe the intensity of it because we spoke about this not long ago, when they insert the pessary or the gel, um, it's the synthetic oxytocin. And basically what the synthetic oxytocin does, it works on your uterine muscles, but it doesn't give the signals to your brain that it also needs to produce the endorphins, which are the body's natural painkillers. So the whole system has been basically crushed. So mm -hmm. your body knows exactly what to do when to do it and the right like when you're producing natural oxytocin you at the same time that facilitates the labor you at the same time producing the endorphins which are to make the labor more comfortable and when this doesn't happen the cascade doesn't happen because we already interfere with the whole system the brain doesn't know he's supposed to be producing endorphins mm. because it didn't get the signal because we interfered and that's the reason why the contractions are so much more intense. And I mean intense. Like there was, there were times when I was, most of it, I was like, how am I going to get through it? And it was the ability to be able to switch off and go into my little bubble of breathing and hypnobirthing techniques that, that got me through it. And it was four hours long, which is, which is fine, you know, and like I said, there were no, like I had no injuries post-birth. I was really lucky with that. And Harry came out. But I remember there was this point where the midwife was talking to another midwife. I was in a triage still. So I wasn't even in like a proper delivery room. Mm. And I remember them talking about a wheelchair and I was ready to push. And uh, I just remember being in the third floor and then I, then I heard the midwife saying like, oh, there's no wheelchair here. You've got to go to the ground zero. <laughs> and I was like, you must be kidding me. And then from that moment on, I remember switching off and I, don't, I just remember being wheeled into the room in my own little bubble. And literally I got there, got on my fours and then Harry, I could feel the crowning, which is like, I always say like, when you're crowning, you just know that you very soon you're going to have your baby in your arms and literally in a couple of pushes Harry was out wow. and I was I was also because Andrew was telling me how there were at one point so many people I think people they were worried I still don't know what what was the reason because I think at one point I knew I have to adjust my breathing because if I was to push too hard I would rip mm -hmm. and that was that point maybe where they were worried that I kind of like stop and I've taken the time to like calm down and just 
listen to my body mm. and really go go with it what it was telling me and then the second push Harry was out mm. I just remember that I just remember thank god it was over there yeah. was no I feel like I've been robbed by the whole like with fur I just never forget like the moment she landed on my chest and it was just euphoric it was just I felt like a wonder woman and with Harry all I can think about is like thank god that's done you know yeah and that that kind of like sometimes makes me really sad I was and we didn't know it was a boy so that was a surprise so it was that was all really nice but when I really think about it that it could have been all very different if I knew what I know now then it does make me for a long time I felt like I should have stood my ground and I should have asked more questions and mm just listen to me just listen to myself more but I think sometimes doctors can come across really intimidating and um, just patronizing sometimes even I'm not saying all of them but certainly my experience in the Czech Republic is um, if I'm going by that then I do find them very patronizing and very talking to you like you don't know your body like you it's like that for 40 weeks they let you get on with it and then once you hit 40 weeks everyone knows better than you mm -hmm. and I guess most of the so the doctors will always explain explain to you you need to have the induction otherwise bad things will happen they don't explain to you okay we will do the induction these are the pros and cons these are the risks and benefits of this procedure they will always tell you the risks of what's going to happen if you don't have it done mm. i find yeah i think is that that's the issue this thing of like being just having a more humane approach but i guess also like it's hospitals and there's going to be <clears throat> during the same hour that you are giving birth there's going to be another at least 10 women giving birth mm -hmm. at the same time so they need this like framework that everybody falls within otherwise otherwise it won't work out for anyone yes. but at the same time it's like it's really hard to to realize that couldn't we just like we can't meet in the middle you know like how can we meet in the middle <laughs> you know that's something I think about quite a lot quite a lot actually well I don't know how to do it because it's for me it's like a it's a actual problem like at the moment this is something that I'm like you know what other thing that's new to me obviously third pregnancy but for the first time in the Czech Republic and I'm coming up with anxieties I've never had before I never had to deal with uh, like my choices, like even though I was in a hospital, I was able to have a water birth. I was able to have my doula if I wanted to have my doula, have entered that and I was just pretty much left to it because I think in the UK, the midwives are much on board with the pro-natural labor. Then you've got the choice of uh, birthing center and you have the choice of home birth. And here, I just feel, even though you're supposed to be in that birthing center, it's pretty much a hospital. Like you wouldn't go in the UK to a birthing center and first thing they do, they offer you a synthetic oxytocin before they even speak to you. It's just, I find that so, so strange. Or your choice is, well, if you wanna have a water birth, you can drive an hour away from Prague and then you can have a water birth, oh, okay. Or you can have it in a hot tub you can labor in the hot tub, but we're going to get you out before your baby comes. And it's like, and it's just, it just feels, but then when it comes to it and you have to deliver with an ambulance driver, then so it happens. Yeah. So wouldn't it be safer to give, to support the women uh, in their choices so they can actually feel safe mm. and give them the information that they need so they can make their own make their own mind with the right support mm. and I think here especially for the mums pretty much all of my clients were foreigners without without a family here or like safe base so they can they don't have the language 
So yeah. I think it's so important for them to to know their choices and know that they they have options. And I find over here, if you don't ask, basically, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you ask, it still doesn't guarantee you get. Mm-hmm. But having the confidence to ask, yeah. uh, what happens if I don't go ahead with this procedure? You know, and just yeah. be a human being, not like you don't know how to count to five. I find I find that really, um, really bad. Really, <laughs> yeah. But it starts with that, doesn't it? It starts with with people like you. Lucy, who's doing this, the hypnobirthing and the the groundwork and the midwives out there and the doulas out there and the women who want and crave the information so that they can make informed choices. And it starts there. And then people daring to ask, oh, um, what happens if I if I take the oxytocin that you're offering me right now? Mm. What would be my next intervention? Like daring to ask the question. And in the beginning, those questions are going to be met with maybe some patronizing or maybe you'll meet someone who's going to be explaining it to you and and maybe like you never know who you're going to meet and then when many women have asked this many times then maybe the change can start to happen you know and maybe we can look at it I know it's hard um, to look at it when you're in the situation to give birth or maybe it's a way to look at it and go if I can put the groundwork down for for all the birthing people that are coming behind me you know <laughs> I think that's how I look at it so like when I talk about the induction I, I look at it that I actually can make a difference to someone else I mean I went through it there's much there's actually you know I got away lightly with the induction I've had because usually when you have an induction you are twice as likely to end up with the assisted delivery, which means like fontus or, or like episiotomy or, you know, mm. basically more interventions and then three times likely to end up with a C-section. Um, and when we talk about induction, it's not just the pessary and the, the gel, it's also the sweeps. You know, they, they really like, they just say, oh, I'll just do a little sweep, but you already, messing up with the whole system like if the baby's not ready to come it's not ready to come and the sweep is quite so it's unnecessary to try and interfere Uh, and especially most women do it before they even reach their due date Mm. uh, so I try and look at it as a obviously I've never went over so I I had a due date baby and an early baby so I don't know, but I just try and really look at it as a bonus time. And now being pregnant for definitely the last time, I really try and embrace it and just just go with it. Like what is nine months really compared mm. to the rest you know, of your life? It's just nothing. So what, so what if you go two weeks over or 10 days or whatever? Mm. So I really look at it as a bonus time. And I know people get fed up because they get big and they're just uncomfortable in bed. But, you know, it's worth it in the end of it when, when you're holding your baby. Yeah, so, I was I was meeting with um, <clears throat> with my midwife who assisted me with Avi's birth yesterday. She was answering some questions for me and Alex as we're preparing for this birth course that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And she we were talking about this, doing a sweep and like, going overdue and what it means and and she was actually saying that um if you're going overdue and nothing is happening it usually means that something is wrong but not in the sense of like something's wrong with the baby or whatever but that maybe the baby isn't in the right position Mm -hmm. um to to activate the labor or um like maybe your mind isn't in the right position to activate the labor so so doing sweeps or drinking castor oil and like or whatever might be the thing she was like well it might help out but induction will will not progress if the woman and the baby isn't ready like um and it will be lots more interventions and that was quite interesting to hear actually that it's just a 
it starts from are you ready or not and who knows if you are ready or not you know or the baby exactly and they always are like the baby knows best and it's it's exactly like when the labor is stopping and going you know it's like it wasn't I I wasn't allowing it to happen Mm. allowing it to happen so it wasn't happening because my head was in the way I was I was just like the subconscious stress and when you're producing adrenaline you can't produce oxytocin you can't produce those two hormones together and the oxytocin is vital to to go ahead with the labor so so I um yeah I completely your your the body just knows that the system is in place but we just it's us who stops it Mm. it's our mind that kind of gets in the way of the whole process I guess so I think what what is the most important thing I think for anyone who's pregnant now get the information before you get to week 40 you know get the information so you have an idea of what you want and what you don't want Mm. that's why there's a there's the whole wish list or you know birth wish list what you I'm not saying it always goes from word to word but to read in the papers uh for the hospital one of the hospitals that (laughs) do not breastfeed your baby for the first two hours without an assistance I'm like what (laughs) like that I find it like or do you not pick up your baby without another person being there Mm. I just or like I don't I don't know I really have to um I still have this thing that the Czech system's really going to surprise me in the most positive way. Yeah. I have moments when I'm scared shitless and when if I had another summer baby I would have gone to the UK and have the baby there. But obviously mm-hmm. the responsibilities here like the kids Freya goes to school, Harry goes to nursery. So all I can do is what is in my control and just try and create the most positive environment that I can and just make it another positive birth story yeah and that's the thing also that's the start with the mindset isn't it like so there's stuff that's out of our control here and I I shared that on my own Avi's birth story a couple of weeks ago too like whatever is out of my control I cannot change which means that if I can settle into the options that I have and and make informed choice with what I have around me and the support that I have, then then I can have the best positive outcome of my birth experience that that is possible, you know? And yeah, so it's just about that mind and you're setting it up for for you know preparing yourself to actually go into labor also and not be scared of it I don't know yeah but you know what it's never been with me being scared of the actual labor I always get like each time my water broke I was like oh my god I'm so excited like it's happening Mm. but what threw me here uh being in Prague it's the oh it's like you get taken away your choice of being left to it and I, I'm, I don't mean to sound like I'm exaggerating but I, my feelings are that um, it's like I all I want is to save bubble uh, be left to it without an interference just being allowed to and that sounds awful being allowed which should be goes without saying that any woman support it in this but it's just being allowed to have that time when I can give birth to my baby and just enjoy that Mm -hmm. without being stressed whether I'm in a safe environment or not or whether I'm going to have 10 doctors there staring at me waiting whether I'm gone a centimeter more or not or being Mm -hmm. over all the time I think that's what's that's what's stressing me out not being scared about whether the baby's going to be okay whether I'm going to be okay Mm. I know that's all going to be okay, but being allowed to have that space yeah. to, to deliver my baby the way I want it yeah. without any intervention. Obviously, now having gone through induction, I know 100% what I want and what I do. 
um, and um, and also I found out obviously because of my age when I was thinking of Bulovka and the they call it the CPA the Centro uh, uh, yeah the kind of best so I was reading that you can only give birth there until the age of thirty nine so I was like oh that's annoying <laughs> but luckily now I found. Um, you know, obviously found the midwife that I feel that I can trust and who's going to assist me. Uh, after chatting to her, she said, because I am not a first-time mother, I am allowed to <laughs> give birth, yeah, even though I can't have the baby in the water. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so, but I, yeah, you, you're allowed to have the baby there in the birthing centre up to the age of 42 if you're not a first time mom. So see, things like that, they didn't cross my mind that it would be like age limited as well. Yeah. Um, so that was another thing that threw me a bit. Yeah. And should, we, should we back up and, and talk a little bit about um, Harry's postpartum? <laughs> yeah, that was actually fine. That yeah. was, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, he was lovely, like, so he swallowed a bit of meconium, so we had to stay for 24 hours uh, in the hospital, but then he was ready to go home. He was feeding fine, I think. Another, I just want to touch base on one more thing, and mm -hmm. I'm talking about it now, but it did traumatize me quite a bit. So when you go into spontaneous labor, your body tends to cleanse itself before you go into labor. The body's really clever. And obviously with induction, this, this does not happen. So be prepared for that as well. So Andrew and I laugh about it. We don't talk about pretty much, but I can tell you that I am um, shut for England also. <laughs> progress, the process. Uh, it's just you lose control. And that, that was something I, you know, when I had Freya in the water, everyone was like, oh my God, what if you put in the water? And, and I didn't, and I tell you why because my body cleansed itself before I mm. went to labor. With here, I didn't have, a, didn't have a chance to go through any of that. So when Andrew and I are talking about Harry's birth, and we just, we go like, <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, he was out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not mention the bit in between. So that's, that's a really funny. And I know, like, obviously, I delivered a healthy son. Like, he's very grateful. But, and we laugh about it now. But, yeah, there's something else that the body didn't have a chance to process because of the intervention. Mm. Anyway, so that's just... That's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's a comic yeah. relief here, Lucy. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't funny at the time. It was like, it was middle of the summer. No aircon. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we... <laughs> With Harry, so Freya obviously came to meet Harry's brother, and I think I was so desperate to be home with Freya as well um, because she was still so small. So we got home. Harry was feeding fine. He wasn't even jaundice um, as Freya was. Freya was jaundice the first first few weeks. Uh, feeding went well. I guess constipation was a problem. Mm. You know, I think. Any woman should stock up on some prunes um, post babies because I think it's quite common. Um, and also, due to the induction, uh, it makes the constipation worse because of the chemicals that are in it. Mm. So for me, the 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 constipation was was a tough one. Um, yeah, it's these things that we don't really talk about. I don't know why, yeah. like these things. Partum that are just like okay you're you're gonna have trouble going to the bathroom or like it's gonna hurt when you have sex for the next six months you know like these things that are very we just don't talk about it but it's so real and when you're in it all you want to do is go to the bathroom you know <laughs> yeah and I think mine was like day three so one thing my friend said to me before Freya, she said, oh, your pee really gonna stink the first time you go. And I was like, well, it didn't happen. It didn't stink, but the reason was because she she had got a bad tearing. So that's why it was stinging her. And I, I was really lucky with neither of mine. I had 
I didn't have tearing and I, I do still believe it's due to the breathing like if you because if you basically embrace the contractions and I know so many people look at me like I'm some crazy woman when I say uh, that you actually enjoy the contractions not in a, like a that I enjoy like pain or anything like that but when the when the surge is coming on and you go with it rather than fighting it, then you make the most of, most of it so the baby can like descend down through the birth canal. If you fight it and if you all tense up, uh, the body can't do efficiently what it do if you just embrace it and just go with it. So when someone says to you, oh, how will I know when to push? Well, you'll know because if you're really in tune with your body, you'll know exactly what to do and when. Mm. You know, I don't think women need to be told. And that's another thing, I guess, that's going through my head. Please mm -hmm. don't know when to push. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to punch someone. <laughs> but I yeah. hope that's why I've got the midwife to kind of do that for me. Uh, yeah. You know, because you do know. You do know when to do it. Yeah. And that's all the difference that makes that you have someone with you there who's going to say you're doing great. Yeah. Someone who's going to advocate for you oh, also. Help you out. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you said, with, um, you know, the safe environment and being able to kind of like go into your own zone. Like when I had this conversation with Andrew and he was like, you know, you do whatever you are, you'll do an amazing job because you are able to, to kind of go into that zone and protect your space. And I think that's really important, but you, it shouldn't be up to the woman. She should feel protected already. She should feel safe. It's not her job to do it. Her job is to focus on having the baby. And it's the people around her, usually the birth partner, that is to protect the space. Yeah the woman feels safe yeah absolutely that's why it's so important to discuss your preferences and your wishes beforehand not that you would know maybe in your first birth you don't know what it's going to feel like or what you're going to want but you have a fair idea of how how you want a room or a space to be for you to feel safe so if that means that you want the lights dimmed or you want to hear you want your headphones on listening to music or or you you'd like to be touched or not touched or whatever mm. or or if you even come up with a safe word for something that's yeah. also quite handy to to really talk to your birth partner about your specific wishes and then it's up to them to to honor those wishes for you as much as they can yeah, sometimes it can be just touch because our attention tends to be like in our shoulders. And sometimes when someone just taps you on the on the shoulder, you you straight away you kind of like you drop your shoulders. Therefore, you release the stress from your shoulders. Mm. There's a connection between our jawline and the pelvis. So the, the the more relaxed you are in your face, the better that pelvis can work. Yeah. And I think there was a one more thing I was gonna say about. Um, the environment and where we're having our baby. Um, I, can't, I can't think about it now. I just, I just, like, I believe that when Freya has a child, by then we'll be like in a different place in the Czech Republic. And I really hope, you know what? I feel like I know what I was going to say. I feel like here it's still look at like a condition. So you're pregnant. You have a condition, you go to hospital, uh, they sort you out and you're out. It's not looked at. Like even when I speak to friends of mine who don't know any different, always given birth in the Czech Republic, and they don't look at it like it should be something amazing that you look at years down the line and think like, oh my God, I still remember the feeling, how amazing it was giving birth to my child. They look at it as something you get over and done with and certainly not like something you have fond memories of yeah and I find that really sad yeah because because I think we should all be entitled to look at it as an amazing experience and 
then don't get me wrong, I know there are people who who either had bad experiences, losses and all that. So I don't I don't want to undermine the doctor's powers or how lucky we are that we are able to have C-sections. Not at all. But if there's a healthy woman with a healthy pregnancy, she should be supported uh, yeah. in her choice of birth, whether it's at home, <laughs> bloody stromovka, doesn't matter. But like be given the choices, not just be told. Yeah, that's a really <clears throat> that's a really strong point, I think. Just to that you can be supported in your choices, whether that is a planned cesarean or if you really want an induction or whatever it is, be supported in your choices, be supported in your choices. Even now, like what I tend to do, like also when I have, um, you know, not every woman wants to have a vagina birth. So if you want to have a C-section and you really want it, make it a good one. You know, like a gentle birth. And it was, I have seen, few of those videos and they can be also an amazing experience they allow you to have the baby skin to skin straight away you can use and like when I talk about hypnobirthing I've used it with induction it's not a it's not just it's not just for someone who wants to have a home birth you can really use the tool even later on in parenthood it's um breathing techniques you can use it in any kind of circumstances but you can use it in any type of birth that is right for you if you make that call that that that's for you and i do know people who who think the c-section is an easy way out which mm. but that's their call that's their choice yeah you, know? you can have you can have beautiful variations of your birth in any way i i saw I don't know i shared it a few weeks ago there was this video on instagram that came came on to my reel or something like that and it was just a mother assisted cesarean so there was no drape Uh and then she had the cesarean and then like the doctors guided her hands to lift the baby out of her belly on her own and I'm like my hairs are standing up now on my arms thinking about it it was so cool I mean I can I can recognize that this maybe isn't like the best choice for everyone or not everyone wants to do that but there's ways to do things gentle also um maybe keeping the baby with you if you want the baby with you or keeping the baby warmer after cesarean next to the mother's mother's head so they can see the baby when they're helping the baby in the, the first few minutes of life just these little things that could be just a little bit more gentle and humane with all the things that we do yeah absolutely and you know the video that was it on instagram that i shared with the lady on the on the wheelchair she was obviously giving birth and then she actually pulled the baby out of her pants you know when she oh, yes <laughs> and the smirk like look on her face is like yeah i just had my baby <laughs> I- <laughs> I thought it was a joke, but it actually, she just did it. Yeah. It That's is great. incredible. It is incredible what the body does. Yeah, it is. It is. And you're going to get to do it again <laughs> soon, right? Yeah. 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 No, I, I will. I will. I will have another amazing positive birth story from the Czech Republic. Absolutely. In a few months, we will have your third one on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, great, Lucy. So um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your beautiful birth story with Harry with us today. Thank you for having me. I apologize about the swearing. <laughs> That's okay. It, nothing's TMI here. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks again, Lucy, for coming on and sharing your beautiful birth story with us today on the podcast. We are looking forward to hearing your third birth story in just a few months also. So prepare for that, please. (laughs) Um, If you are listening in out there and you'd like to reach out to Lucy or ask her anything or take a hypnobirthing course, maybe she can be reached at hypnobirthingbuddy.com. That is hypnobirthingbuddy uh, with two Ds.com. Or you can, of course, send me an 
email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com and I will forward everything to her from there as it comes in. If you want to share your story, you know where to find me. Follow me on Instagram, nine months podcast, or go to the website, nine months fill in the contact form, and we'll make it happen. Also, don't forget that you can buy me a coffee to support the podcast, just like Triggy said in the beginning. Um, head to the website, press the button there, head to the Instagram account, you find the link in bio, or head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the nine months zero and buy me a coffee. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of you. And I'll see you again next week with another story. 